Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Blue Butterfly Effect podcast. I am Lily Murillo, intuitive astrologer and spiritual coach. I am here with my co-host, Ashley Torrent, psycho-spiritual counselor and intuitive medium. Hello, Blue Butterfly Effect community. This week's episode is called The Medicine We Carry. It is a recording of a workshop that Ashley and I led in our Costa Rica retreat this last June. We wanted to share this conversation with you all because we found it to be very powerful to the attendees of the retreat, and we hope that it does the same for you. We hope you enjoy it. Okay, so um, we are going to do an opening of the circle um, before we start, but just to give you a heads up tonight, we're going to talk about spiritual practice, and hopefully we can maybe rewrite some narratives around spiritual practice or maybe create some ways that makes it more accessible than maybe you've experienced. So um, if you want to do this with your eyes open or closed, just I invite you to become aware of your breath. Just to ground in for a moment, come back to the circle, come back to yourself. And just as we've done before, just become mindful of your inhale and your exhale. Listening to, I think it's a gecko. (laughs) Just noticing the sounds around you as you breathe with your body. You're home in this world. And because of the nature of this conversation, I invite you to invite your light to rise into the space of your heart. Turning your awareness inwardly, allowing your heart and soul to take, become into the forefront of your awareness. That human and spiritual aspects of you embracing continuing a conversation they've had before and will continue to have for the rest of your life and many lifetimes after. And as your light shines brightly in your heart, imagine it even expanding brighter and brighter, once again filling your entire being with its love. I don't believe we can get enough experience of the soul's love, so I like to go back there as often as possible because this light is a reminder not only that you are loved, but that you are a unique expression as you are of that divine energy. Spirit, universe, God, love chose to express itself as you in this life. And that's an incredible thing, exactly as you are. So as your light expands, honor the seat underneath you as well allowing your human to be grounded as we navigate this conversation. Remember, we need both the soul and the human working together to support you. And just breathe again, continue to breathe for a few more times, just feeling this love radiate through you and remembering that your light gets to shine as bright as it feels comfortable and natural to you. 
And you might even find in our work this week that you shine a little bit brighter and a little bit brighter and you expand a little bit more because maybe you know in your body that it's okay and it doesn't take from anyone else's light. I know that I keep saying that, but I think we have this belief sometimes that, ooh, I don't want to take up too much space. But your soul is like, just be you, shine bright. And with the next breath, just take a beat before you open your eyes. And then just kind of come back to the room you're in, ground yourself knowing that your soul is here in the forefront of your awareness and you're human and they're having this conversation. So I'm going to pull a card from Ashley's deck for tonight's circle. Oh, my favorite. <laughs> it's the red-tailed hawk phoenix, creative awakening rebirth. Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah. Yeah. So let's see. Are these in alphabetical order? Yeah. Oh, here it is. Yeah. Oh, here it is. Red tail, the hawk phoenix. Creative awakening, rebirth, transformation, resilience, hope, soul purpose. Red tailed hawk can be an incredibly powerful guide for anyone seeking to align with their soul purpose. When combined with the transformative power of the phoenix, the creative spark of the soul ignites into a flame. This flame of truth guides us towards our destiny. It is one of illumination and purification, revealing our shadows and burning away all falsities until only that which remains is the truth of the soul and the phoenix rises victoriously, radiating a prism of new potentials through its victoriously reborn wings. When it seems as though your world has fallen apart, be it a relationship, a job, or even the realization that you've been wearing a mask, phoenix reminds us to have faith that within the discomfort of change, we are with faith promised a new life of higher purpose, contribution, and fulfillment. There is a saying in China, when the dragon soars and the phoenix dances, the people will enjoy happiness for years, bringing peace and tranquility to all under heaven. Red-tailed hawk turned phoenix reminds us, the most courageous thing we can do in times of change is to dance with it trusting that the transformation is happening for our highest evolution and allowing our creativity to anchor us as we navigate the darkness by the light within. I mean, if this isn't what That's we've been talking part. about, <laughs> I don't know what is. So we wanted to ask before we start, um, 
just between the two conversations we've had today, between astrology and intuition, just wondering if you notice anything open up for you. Um, yeah, anything open up for you, anything you've noticed throughout the day that maybe you didn't notice before? Um, some more awareness of your heart space, your soul. And if nothing, that's okay too. We just wanted to open up to any comments that you had. Yes. That's wonderful. Well, that's interesting. You said you maybe swung more towards over, like OCD, overthinking over that to deny what truth, you know? Yeah. Like, it's not my purpose to come here and be obsessive and compulsive. Well, when you're a kid, if you're growing up in an environment that whatever it is isn't safe um, or for whatever reason, like you can't know because you don't have any power as a kid, right? So you can't have, your intuition can't work because you can't know. I mean, how many of us grew up in houses where if we knew as a child consciously, it would be terrifying. I mean, that's why children dissociate from trauma because knowing that we don't have any control, it's too much for a child. So our intuition gets shut down because we're not allowed to know, just because it's a survival technique. And so I think whatever the coping mechanism, mine was dissociation, maybe yours is OCD, you know, we go the other way. Yeah. It almost feels like a confidence boost to be able to mm. have that. And oh. Amazing. That's beautiful. Yeah, Iris. I think that astrology has given me that thing that I come back to that where I'm able to say it's all happening exactly as it's meant to be happening. And sometimes I still have to like say that over and over again until I finally land in that truth, not to convince myself because I've seen enough. I, I've had enough evidence, if you will, to know that that is the truth, but you know, the human mind is, is tricky and just it is all working as it's meant to. And so when things are sticky or uncomfortable or whatever it is, it's, you come to realize, oh, this is part of it, too. This is part of the experience and the journey, too. Truly, like, gotten out of my mind. 
Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know that I've ever done that before. I mean, it was mm -hmm. very, like, deep. It was almost like um, the fourth mm -hmm. to, like, tap into that, which is yeah, well, it's love, and love is euphoric. Yeah. It's like it's like coming home, yeah. and that's an incredible feeling because we are up here. We're not at home. Yeah. No. Thank you. Anybody else? Yeah. Um, kind of down here is like the euphoria when we went to the beach, we went to the beach after oh, beautiful. class, and like we were walking, and I, I like I was like. Like I'm on drugs, but I'm not on drugs. Do you know, we walked and I was like, everything looks so beautiful. Yeah. Like yeah. unreal, beautiful. Yeah. It's weird you had that feeling yeah. too. It just was so crazy. Like, I don't know if that's just so in the present. Yeah. Heart space. When you get into that heart space, like what really matters? What really matters is, you know, it's like everything's okay. It's, it is like what you're describing. We were walking down the trail and I was like, these plants, these leaves. Yeah. I was like, I was like, it looked 10 times what it's looked like every day to me. <laughs> and I think that was the collective energy we were feeling and it, it is euphoric. Yeah, that's beautiful. Beautiful. It's interesting you said you could feel hers, but you can't feel your own. And that's what I'm going to talk about in a minute. But, you know, if it's building a relationship to your feelings, to your heart, and that for some people, it's not easy at first. It wasn't for me. It terrified me. Um, and that's a practice. And it, and it takes stamina and courage sometimes because it can be very scary. Like what is in there that I may not want to feel or know, you know? Um, so I'm so glad that you had the experience of like, oh, my body can feel things, and it can feel emotion. I'm just maybe not allowed to feel mine. Yeah. 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 Anybody else? Okay. So um, I really, um, like, I love the word spiritual practice, but I used to hate them. I used to be like, oh, God, someone's going to tell me to sit on a meditation cushion for 45 minutes. I'm going to have to be still. I'm going to have to be silent. That sounds like hell. I would try it, and I would dissociate. I would just, like, leave my body. This is miserable. And it wasn't until um, I started becoming a medium. Um, well, actually, I think I've always been doing this in my own way. I just didn't put words to it until I started like honing my intuition and working with it on a regular basis for my work. So I want to offer tonight that spiritual practice can look like whatever you want it to, right? The point is to get you into your heart and connect to that something bigger, to get you out of the fear, the mind. And I want to also offer 
it's not gonna be perfect every time. Sometimes you're gonna have a blissed out experience and it's gonna be amazing. And sometimes it may feel flat. Sometimes it may be somewhere in between, but that's all information, right? Where it's not like I have to feel this way every time, but spirituality is a relationship. The more you show up for it, the more profound it is. Like we're in a relationship to our intuition, we're in a relationship with our spirituality, all of it. So for me, because I had a lot of like um, abuse as a kid, sitting alone in a room breathing was like, fuck that, right? I'd probably did that enough as a kid, I don't wanna do that anymore. So I had to move my body and moving my body and moving that energy is how I started landing in my body. Right, because my mind and my energy is all up here. I can't be in my body. It's not a safe place. So I try. I trace back now and realize that my walks in nature were my way of landing in my body. My connection to nature, my walks in nature, swimming, surfing, all of those things. I wasn't, you know, people. I feel like um, maybe some spiritual people would say you're running from yourself. I just think that's bullshit. I'm actually coming home to myself. Whatever brings me home to myself is my business and my spiritual practice. So that's what I really wanna encourage y'all to do. It could be drawing, it could be writing, it could be art, it could be singing. Sometimes I sing in the car and I land in my heart and I'm like, yes, that was the best. Spiritual practice, done for the day, right? A lot of times I wake up in the morning, my head's all full. I walk in the state park near my house. About halfway through, I start to land. I start to land and that feels so good. So like Millie is a great meditator. She's really good at going for it long periods of time, but I'm not. So I wanna offer that like, this can be anything you want. The intention is to come home, right? To come home. So one of the things I think you might wanna think about, which may sound like really, is spiritual practice can be play. Um, I would think back to something your younger self loved to do. My younger self loved swimming, being near water, loved nature. I would lay in the grass, talk to plants, talk to flowers. I always dreamed of being around horses, but I didn't have access to them. Um, but it's interesting now, part of my spiritual practice is hanging with horses so I can get into my heart. But I've noticed like, and being creative. All those things that my younger self loved doing to ground or maybe to feel safe enough when I was living in chaos, it's interesting. I didn't know it, but my adult is now doing those things because I have the freedom to do those things. So I would encourage you to think about like, what did my younger self love to do that maybe I've stopped doing that I've longed to do or want to go back to? And it's not just what she did, but maybe what she always dreamed of doing. Like I was thinking of Danae, you know, when she was singing and she loved to sing as a kid, it made me wonder if like, does music and singing open her heart and land her in herself? You know, music's a beautiful way to, this term is so overused, but raise your vibration. Um, you know, I'm sorry, I love it. And it also is overused, <laughs> but it's a beautiful way to get you out of fear and get you into your body and find a way to love. Right. So I want to take a moment and just pause before I continue. Do you all have questions about that when I say that? Does that resonate or make sense? Yeah, because the point is you want it to be fun. You want to wake up in the morning and show up for it. If it's something you dread, you're not going to do it. Like I love going for my walk in the morning. It's like the thing I, I, I have to be outside first thing in the morning. And if you don't have access to outside wherever you live, but you can find something that you enjoy doing. Right. 
And even if you live in the city, I used to take my baby, put it in the stroller, and I would walk from the East Village all the way to the west, the other side of the city where the water was, and then I'd walk back because it was the only thing I could do to access nature or whatever. So whatever that is, I want you to think about, like, what would you look forward to? So we're talking about intention is coming home to yourself. I want to go a little bit is I would say the most important part of my spiritual practice, no matter the modality, is tending to my human heart. And it makes me emotional to say this. I was someone who couldn't contact my heart for a long time. And what I mean by tending to your human heart, and I do this daily, I check in. What's hanging out there? What needs to be felt that I'm not feeling? You know, is there sadness? Is there grief that I need to grieve? Is there sadness? Is there anger that I haven't dealt with? Am I hanging on to an experience I had yesterday, like an interaction in traffic or at the grocery store that I'm still like twisting about? I take a moment and I go like, grieve what needs to be grieved, feel what I need to feel. So I work through that. And sometimes I can't go all the way there. Like sometimes I'm shut down, but it's also going, okay, today I'm shut down. It's acknowledging, it's not forcing anything. You can't pry your heart open like an oyster. You have to honor where you are. But the point is checking in, where, where is my heart today? And the other thing I do is I integrate what needs to be integrated. So that means what have I done in the past 24 hours that Maybe I need to take a moment and breathe with so that my body can integrate it. Like maybe something that I tried that felt scary and I need to kind of go, okay, I did that thing that was scary and I did good, I did well, right? My body needs to integrate that new experience of positivity, right? Because I have PTSD and my mind will, like, let's not look at the good thing that happened, let's focus on all the scary narratives. So we need to integrate those positive experiences to write new narratives about our life and about ourselves. So feel what I need to feel, grieve what I need to grieve, integrate what needs to be integrated, and this one I really love, and celebrate what needs to be celebrated. We do not celebrate enough in our lives. We do not go to the joy, and we don't even for ourselves, like the fact that I'm sitting here teaching, I need tomorrow to celebrate that. It's a huge moment for me to sit with y'all and hold space for y'all. I need to honor that so my body can feel it and know it and go, I did that. There's nothing wrong with that. To celebrate the fact that I saw my child today and he couldn't get enough of my face and kissed me and told me how much he loved me and that I had that relationship with him. Like it'd be so easy to think about other things but I need to take a moment and celebrate that. that and I also celebrate things that my clients go through because you know, as a therapist or I celebrate readings, but I know tomorrow as I do my thing, I'm going to be celebrating those of you that surfed this morning and those of you that practice intuition because that's a beautiful moment. And I carry that in my body and I need to celebrate it so my body can be like, I feel like there's a release of beautiful energy and it goes into the collective, but my body gets to process it, you know, and that deserves to be processed and honored, right? Sometimes when I do readings or, you know, depending on what your work is, you, you probably have things or your interactions with your children or, or things that you interact with your day. But, you know, if a client goes through something wonderful, I like to celebrate them. But also if I witness something really sad or I connect to the other side, like someone's coming through that committed suicide or they tell me something about their suffering or, you know, having a soul to soul reading, I need to take a moment to grieve for that person because I carry that with me. Not all of you may do that, 
but I know I do. So it's not I'm carrying their pain, it's my reaction to witnessing something incredibly sad and dark and sometimes something beautiful, but I wanna help my body release it. And I think there's something about releasing it that also honors the collective energy that was acknowledged. And that may make, not make sense, but it makes sense to me. So tending to my human heart, you don't have to do all these things. This is, this is after years of practicing, but I do think it's important to introduce the idea of like honoring this thing that beats inside of us that is the voice of our soul. It needs time. We go through so many things throughout the day and we have so many connections and so many conversations and so many thoughts that are destructive and sometimes inspirational. And every thought creates a feeling and that's energy. So we need to let the sweet, sweet heart of ours like process. And the reason is because then we come home to ourself. Our heart goes, thank you. I feel the love, it starts to open. It starts to crack open and open and open. And the more we release those feelings, I realized I used to have tons of grief in my heart. And I spent like two years with those horses. I spent two years like spending time with horses and I would grieve. I would be on my knees in the field with my horse therapist, sobbing, sobbing, sobbing. But what I realized is when the wave would come through me, I would release it and my body was like, thank you, mm -hmm. right? And there's so much freedom in that. We hold on to everything so tightly because we don't want to feel it. And we're going to talk more about like working with our feelings. But my point being is the more we clear out that heart, the clearer our connection to our intuition is, the more we can hear our soul. It can talk, there's not so much static. Right? And then we don't have that anxiety of repressing everything. So I would encourage you to just slowly start, like, what would I like to do that would help me get in there? Where is a space that feels safe enough to maybe start paying attention to my heart? You don't have to overwhelm yourself. Just little bits, day by day, because this takes building a relationship to spirituality, to your heart, to your soul. It's all a relationship that if you show up for, it'll show up for you. But it can't be once a month, every now and then. It's a really beautiful thing that it's this energetic exchange between you and your soul and you and your heart. Um, so tending to your human heart opens your heart so you experience love. And what's beautiful about this, when you clear out all that stuff and honor what's there, you know what also there is gratitude. Gratitude is an embodied experience, man. It's not, I'm sorry, you don't think your way to gratitude. I, I appreciate the list, but writing down a list, if you don't feel it, it's, to me, it's a waste of time. I, I've written all kinds of lists, but if, I don't, if I'm not in my body to connect to what I'm writing about, that list is just like I'm writing numbers, right? Gratitude is an embodied experience, and it's hard to feel grateful if you have all that shit, shame, guilt, anger, sadness, grief, clogging the system. So you start to clear it out and then all of a sudden your heart and then there's a sense of contentment. I don't need as much, I'm not longing for as much, I'm not so afraid. And you start to come home over and over again. Um, and that's, that's the practice I think is to open our human heart so we can feel the love our soul is always offering us, right? So again, but I wanna reiterate, it doesn't happen every day. 
Sometimes you might go through a period where like, for a month, my heart is like, yeah, but I recently went through something really awful and my, or I had a memory of a trauma really awful and my heart was shut down. It was just like not going there and I was aching. I was like, I need to feel it. But I realized my body was like, we need, we need time. We need time to process this. So I was respectful and I've just been waiting and it's starting to come back. And so it's again, a relationship. Um, I feel like the last thing I'm going to say, which I just don't want to lose the thought on this. I think I've lost the thought on this. Um, so opening your heart, coming back to your soul. Oh, and this is something I, I said I do it every morning, but I found that I go back to my heart several times a day. What happens after a while is you start to feel out of touch or you start to lose the love or you start to get in fear. And if you have a relationship to this, which takes time, look, I've been doing this for a long time, so it feels a little bit easier and it's built into my system. It's more automatic. But I've noticed I go to it three or four times a day, just checking in. And this doesn't have to take hours. It doesn't have to take 30 minutes. Sometimes I can just tend to my heart in five minutes, you know, in a mere walk. It's just like... And so sometimes if I feel like I'm losing connection with myself, I'm just like, okay, what's sitting there that I'm not dealing with? Like today I was like, wow, my inner child is up. Man, she is screaming in my head. I had to come in, I had to talk to her, I had to tend to my heart, I had to figure out what was going on. And then I could see the look, I was looking in the mirror as I was getting ready to come here and the look in my eye changed. And I was like, wow, it was so dramatic to see the shift because I came home to myself. So. I'm just going to let that land for a minute, take a breath, because that was a lot. <laughs> I feel like I threw a lot at y'all. But I want to ask if y'all have any, before Millie goes to like some practical other spiritual practices and an ancestors and things, I just wanted to ask if y'all have questions about that or anything you wanted to add. Yeah. Does it need to be, like, is there a significance to it being first thing in the morning, or is it just like if we do it at practice throughout the day? You know, for me, I'm not good if I don't do it in the morning. Like, I've been getting it, but I have to go to the ocean. I have to go somewhere. I, I, I just need to. Okay. My body, I'm, I just end up being too dissociated, okay. you know? So that's for me. So, because I think if I start my day off that way, then I'm a better human. Um, but I think for some people, I mean, my kids are old enough now so I could do it. So you might not be in a position where you can do it first thing in the morning. So I just say, just do it when you can, mm -hmm. you know, don't make it rigid. Don't put expectations on yourself, but also notice the ways you may be denying yourself the time to do it because we can make excuses not to. That's why I say, make it fun, make it something you want to go to, make it something you look forward to. And it doesn't have to be time consuming. It's just, you know, it can be in your car. Like I said, driving to work, turning on your, a song that like moves you and then going, Oh, this is there. This is there. This is there. You might cry. You might not, but <laughs> yeah. Cool. And make it your own. I never want to be the authority of anyone's spirituality. I have a really hard time with people telling, you know, I want, I want to encourage you to find your way that resonates with you. Processing what? And integrating. Oh, so for me, like processing would be feeling what's there. Like maybe I, 
like I said, I could feel my inner child up. Like I could feel this like old insecurity that I have. And I was like getting dressed and nothing fits right. Nothing looks right, nothing. And I was like, ooh, this is from my childhood. This is my mother stuff. And I just took a moment and I like acknowledged her. And then I, I had tears. Like I was like, oh, this used to be hard for me. There wasn't a lot of freedom in, well, you know, I don't need to get into all the details, but whatever was triggering me was hard for me. Being around a group of people and being seen can be hard for my inner child. It's not hard for my adult, right? Mm -hmm. So I needed to take a moment and honor her and allow the grief she was feeling come up. And I cried a little bit and I was just really gentle with myself. And then I saw the light in my eyes completely change. Um, so processing, that's what it means to me, you know, and we're not taught to, I don't think we're taught to have a relationship with our feelings. And I'm like, we got to have a relationship with our feelings or we're screwed because not feeling our feelings creates depression, creates anxiety, um, creates implosion. That's a dangerous place. It creates apathy, all sorts of things. So the more we honor our feelings, and just notice them, acknowledge them, feel what needs to be felt and let it go. And I'm not talking about bypass. I'm not saying that like, I'm not saying, I'm saying like, if you're angry about something, you can acknowledge that you're angry. You might be in a situation that continues to make you angry, but at least you can just acknowledge your heart, you're feeling angry, right? It doesn't mean the situation is necessarily fixed, but you're honoring yourself and there's something the body goes, oh, thank you. The, the feelings, like the body holding feelings is like little kids going, see me, see me, see me, see me. They're like pulling at your clothes saying, please. And your body's like, uh. And then when we do, it's like a little kid going, thank you. Been waiting the whole time for you to hear that I'm upset or I'm sad or I'm scared. So I feel like, you know, that's what, to me, that is. Integration to me is one, acknowledging I learned this thing, I did this thing, I've changed. I don't think we do enough integrating. Um, and I think it allows our body to really like own the changes we've made. We can't skip over, you know, sometimes we'll do something that's really powerful. Like after this retreat, I would encourage you all to take time to integrate the connections you made, talk about it with your therapist, your coaches, but also with yourself. Like that day I did this, just taking time to do it, that you, that you left for a week and did it. And it's a huge deal. And I think sometimes we go back to our busy lives and we're really missing out on an opportunity to again, change the narratives about ourselves, but also have an embodied experience of this thing. You know, we kind of shove it to the side and move on, but we're missing something that gets into us. I feel like on a cellular, cellular level, and also impacts the way we think, the way we are in the world. So integration to me is like acknowledgement and allowing time for that healing to take place or that new thing to your body to go, yes, thank you, um, if that makes sense. And rest is a beautiful way to integrate. I'm talking about like acknowledgement when I'm tending to my heart, but if I'm integrating something, I also take time to rest. Like, you know, if I'm integrating like, like right now I'm integrating a huge understanding and awareness and I need to take time to rest so my body can start to heal. That's a different form of integration, but I think is really important. Yeah.
it was like I was doing it and I didn't know it, but then when I started talking about it and teaching it, I put words to it. And I realized like what I was doing is I was feeling what needed to be felt. And then if something needed to be integrated, I was like integrating it. And then I was celebrating too. Like it was these things that kind of came just as they came. Um, so I just realized like in the process, these are things that are hanging out there. And sometimes there's not, you know, maybe there's not much to be celebrated or maybe there's not something to be integrated, but there's always something to be acknowledged or felt. Um, so those were just things I noticed that were part of that experience that I wanted to offer. Yeah. It's like having a conversation with myself that's not up here, that's in here. Oh, I'm so handsy. <laughs> I love it. Thank love you. It. I used to do it all the time as a kid. I don't think I do it nearly as much as I did when I was a kid, but I love all the things you've been doing. I'm so handsy. It's know. so, thank you for appreciating, because I see videos and I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> it's good. Like, I, it's almost like you're talking with your hands, so I love it. Oh, thank it's you. I used to do all the time. But it's weird how, like, you get out of things, but um, the things that you said uh, resonated a lot with me, resonated a lot with me, um, because recently, First of all, like moving to Alaska, I was like, okay, I have to be open to things up here because or else I'm not going to have any friends. And it's more of an outdoorsy place. And it's something that I used to love as a kid to do things outside. Like I played outside for hours, right? But then you get older and you're like, you're just inside. That's what everybody does in the city. You know, like you just, it's too hot or I don't want to eat outside. You know, all those types of things. And going up there, like I really was able to connect with like nature in a way that I, I thought I hated the outdoors. I thought I hated the bugs and the this and the that. And like, I started like opening myself up to doing those things and now I love doing that. Um, and just even like, I started going for walks more recently, like long walks and I was like, I used to love being outdoors and now I'm like, I, it's just interesting, like the things that you forget that you used to enjoy, yes. that you bring back in and you're like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I needed. Yeah, singing was another thing. Like last year, I don't know why, but I just started listening to music again. I used to love music. I used to love to sing and dance, and I forgot about that, you know. Yeah. And I brought it back in, and I, I, I did what we were just talking about. I'd be in my car and singing at the top of my lungs, and it was just it felt so good to my soul. Yes. Um, and I've tried for so long, like um, at different points in my life, to do meditation, and it's just so difficult for me. And maybe I can do it at some point. But to know that that's a form of like just coming back to yourself feels really good because I'm like, oh, I just can't do that. I just can't get it. And hear about all the benefits of doing meditation, and and, uh, and I've always wanted to do it. But it's good to know that I can meditate in a different way. Well, that the secret is it's meditation. It's meditation. It just doesn't right. It's, it's paying that. attention to what's going on, your thoughts and your feelings, and you become present. But I don't like to call it that because it can be a dirty word to some people who are uncomfortable. It was to me. But it is, you know, you're doing it and you're present with it and you're checking in with where you are. Um, it's meditation. Yeah, I feel my body, like today I was on that bike and I like feel my quads like burning and I was like, yeah, I don't think about those things normally, you know, but you're by yourself, you're not listening to music or anything and you're like, you feel your body in ways that I don't think about my body right. that often or how I feel or anything. So it's kind of cool. Um, yeah, it's I, I love that you brought up nature. Um, I could do a whole talk on nature, <laughs> but what I realized, I mean, and as you were saying, I was just like, so many of the 
so many people that I talk to about this, nature is the foundation or a place that they go. I feel my most spiritual self, I mean, when I'm doing my work, but when I'm in nature. It, it provides something that brings the best of us to come forward. There's a silence in it, but it's also communicating with us. It's so embracing and so welcoming. So if you have access to nature and you're struggling with this, I would just go sit or take a walk or do something. I mean, I really, like, it like brings tears to my eyes. I'm so heartbroken how disconnected we are, especially in the United States, that nature is just like disappearing. And when Lorana was talking about how the beach is protected here, I just started crying in the back because I was just like, <laughs> like, it's my, my mother. I mean, I know it's so cliche, but it is. And it's the only place I ever feel truly held when I'm on my own. And I just feel like, wow, what have we done to disconnect ourselves? Um, so I really encourage you, like, if you want to find your heart, find some place in nature. It's talking to you. It's holding space for you. It's there. Just putting your feet and your hands in the ground, the ocean, whatever it is. Yeah. Anybody? Sorry, I get all emotional about this. <laughs> yeah, I'm a softie. Anybody else? Questions or anything? Okay. And I just want to say last thing. Remember, I'm laying out what I've begun to do. Start where you are. Don't try to get to all the things that I laid out. That was a process. So start where you are and have fun. Just like get curious. That's all I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> There's not much more I can say. <laughs> well, you have those beautiful things. <laughs> so I think the most important thing to remember is that this is a relationship that you're building, that you're tending to, that you're nurturing between your human and your soul. And there's something about remembering that, for me, that switched how I was approaching, especially years back, how I was approaching the, my, my attempt to understand my inner workings and what it meant to be at peace and what it meant to, to feel love. And I think that one of the reasons that I am much more of a traditional meditator is that that's how I started. Like I just said, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to be guided. And somehow that worked for me. And what I realized over time is that I'm very much a narrator of my world. And it's like, if, if I'm walking around, it's like, oh, there's that tree with that yellow leaf and the pink flower, and then there's the blue bird, and then there's that rock that looks different from, like, it's like, it's, there's a constant observation narration of my world that sometimes going out for a walk or doing meditation in that way just doesn't work for me. Mm. Because what I'm looking for, it's just quiet. And so meditating in a traditional way for me it's just, it's become like my, my bubble. And I'm able to go there and over time, and it's not about the length of time, right? It's, I can, I can sit there for 45 minutes, but that 
my intention was never the time. It's become longer because I've cultivated a relationship with that love that it's like, I don't want to leave this yeah. place. I just don't want to leave this space. And so if I have the time, I'm going to stay there. And I think that another important thing to remember is that you're not always going to get there. You're not always going to get that, that hit of bliss mm -mm. that you're not always going to feel that connection. And I think what I've learned is that intention matters so much. So if you, whether it's go for a walk, go for a drive, uh, whatever it is, whatever, whatever your, your means of meditation is, intention matters. If your intention is to connect just a little bit more with your heart, with your soul, with your essence of love, just the fact that you're trying, you already are doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's so important to remember because there, for a long time, I was like in a groove of like every time I sat down and I was there, every time, every day, there was a surge of emotion. And that was like, oh, that's love. That's, that's, that's my, that's the divine, that's spirit. And then something happened where I wasn't reaching that anymore. And I got so frustrated, so mm -hmm. frustrated. It's not happening. What am I doing wrong? You have to trust. And something that a friend said to me was maybe the way that you're connecting with spirit, there's something inside of you that's asking for it to change. And that just blew my mind because we do get in very rigid ways. I do. I can get in very rigid ways of doing things. And so I say that because we live in a world that is so result oriented that we tend to approach everything in that way, including the connection to our hearts. And so if it doesn't look the same way every single time, then it's like I'm doing something wrong. There was a time where I was just 3.30 in the morning, four in the morning, waking up. And it was just, it was like, I don't know, like a kid on Christmas, like I couldn't wait. And then something changed and I couldn't get up at that time anymore. And I was so sad and annoyed. And, <laughs> and then my partner was like, well, can't you just meditate in the afternoon? <laughs> and I thought, yeah, I, I can do that, I guess. And so it was, it's, it's those things that what I realized is that our soul eventually also tells us and guides us as to when and how it wants to be connected with us. Mm -hmm. There's something about, and that's the intuition at work. There's something about a shift, whether it's, and I've noticed it's a shift like in seasons, it's a shift if, if I'm, depending on what I'm going through in my life, um, if, if I'm feeling well or not, there's so many other components. And what you realize is how much of a holistic being you are that everything really does play into itself. And for, because for a while it worked so consistently for me a, a particular way, it just so happened that for a period of time it worked, but then it didn't. 
And there's something really beautiful about saying, oh, um, I guess I don't want to meet myself in this way anymore. And now I see it as like, okay, where, where is this taking me? Where is my intuition taking me next to connect with this part of myself? That openness creates such an honesty with yourself. There's a curiosity to where this inner guidance is taking you next. And there's something that happens where you begin to trust yourself more. I didn't trust myself. I didn't trust that things were changing and that it change meant that something was wrong. And the connection and the building of, of the relationship with yourself in that way can't be contained in that way. Love cannot be contained. Love needs to be love. And love needs, you need to allow the love that is trying to connect with you always to show you how it wants to connect with you. And there's so much surrender that has to happen in that. And it's humbling and it's beautiful. And when you don't understand it, it can be a little confusing. You can be trying to reaching for things. But when you just let it guide you, it's, it's really something magical. So one of the things that, or a few of the things that I grew up with, um, I grew up with, I was raised by what I like to call a witchy mother. Uh, my, my mother is Guatemalan. We have, uh, my great grandmother was a healer. My great uncle was a healer. And they taught my mother a lot of things. They did that for a living. Uh, my mother didn't do it for a living because she, she left her whole country and went, and went to the States. But I grew up with altars and I grew up with certain rituals. I grew up really honoring the phases of the moon. And the way that I was taught that those things were meant to be held was with a lot of reverence. And so I want to read you a quote. Uh, actually, no, that's actually, I wrote that. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, oh, here it is. So it's regarding altars. So an altar, I think some, a lot of people tend to have altars now. To me, having an altar is my way of creating my own little world, is a way of creating a portal. And it is like playing. Mm -hmm. It is like playing. It's like using my imagination. And I have little, little trinkets of different things and gifts that people have given me that I put on my altar. And it's like, it gets my inner child so excited because that's, that's, my, that's, that's my toy box. And it takes me and it allows for my meditation to just be fun. It allows it to be lighter. And so altars, I've come to describe them as a portal between the rational mind and the depth of our soul. That is where I learned 
when I would step in front of my altar because my mom would, would my mom taught me how to create altars and we would always in the mornings kind of say a prayer in the altar and it was just a, a connection that I didn't have words for but that I felt in my body and so as I got older I didn't have an altar for a long time I didn't have one for a long time and when I finally created one again it just felt like home it felt like a home for my soul to land. And the beautiful thing is that I started noticing that my mind was also welcome, but it wasn't allowed to overtake. And so our altars are, no, are also an invitation to our ancestors and guides, letting them know that we welcome their divine guidance. So this is big. I, I definitely grew up with, the connection and the understanding that we have a connection to another realm, that we have a connection to those who have passed. And working with Ashley has definitely, as an adult, created a much deeper uh, relationship with that part of myself. And so if an altar is your way to go, I invite you to, as Ashley said, have fun, play with it. Put things in there that bring you joy. I have, I have jewelry in my altar that has been given to me by very special people that instead of, instead of wearing it, I put it in my altar as, as an offering, as a gift. I have perfumes on my altar. I have rosaries in my altar that my mom has given me. And this has nothing to do with religion. This just has to do with the meaning of the things that make you who you are. And so in, in my altar, I also have a picture of my grandfather who since he passed a few years ago has been such a part of my journey. And ever since connecting with my grandfather in that way, I have felt more ancestors come. So if that's something that you feel comfortable with, I really invite you to invite your ancestors because that's the thing about souls in, a, in another realm. They're never gonna be intrusive. They don't have to be. They're so happy. <laughs> they're, they're happy, they're in, a, they're in a different space, they have a different understanding. If you feel comfortable with having a connection to guides, to spirit guides, to spirit animals, invite them into your space. Create a relationship with them. And as I'm saying this, I'm like, they're gonna think this girl is crazy. She no. talks to, she talks to all of these things. But there's something about understanding that this 3D reality is not all that exists. And I cannot imagine just looking at my reality through a 3D lens. That is so boring. That is so boring and it's so limiting. And so, oof, makes me mm -hmm. emotional. <laughs> yeah. So essentially with an altar, we are creating an intentional space for the most profound parts of ourselves to be held in love and light. 
there is so much intention that gets to go into creating an altar because it's a space that you are creating to connect with love. And when you invite an ancestors, if you, this is how I got to know my, my spirit guide, Rose. I just know that that's my spirit guide's name because he came through in meditation in my altar. <coughs> and I had a psilocybin journey where I actually really heard Rose clearly and she guided me. These spaces take us out of our heads and bring us into our hearts. And it's also, and I've also learned to create a relationship with my altar space. And another thing that I was taught growing up is that it's your home, it's the home for your soul. So you clean it, right? You clean it, you dust it. You take notice as, as to how the candles are burning. And if they're burning dark or black, you ask yourself why, what's happening? What do I need to do? What is this, what is this, thing, what is this saying about my energy, about the energy in my home? What's going on? My altar has, it's just, I feel like my altar speaks to me. I feel like my altar says, I don't like this candle. <laughs> I feel like my altar says, I need more incense. And so, but again, that's something that you get to cultivate on your own. Another thing that I wanted to mention was what we call in Spanish, limpias, and they're energetic cleansings. Um, indigenous cultures understood, they understood that we are spiritual beings having a human experience and that our overall energy and health is affected by the energy around us. And so limpias, like I said, are energetic clearings. And so that looks like smudging, that looks like incense or palo santo or uh, salt baths or you know, uh, clearing yourself with rosemary or getting a, an energetic, energetic cleaning from a healer, from a shaman. They understood that in order for us to, again, get in touch with the holistic being that we are, we needed to clean our energy. And so that, that becomes such an important part of, that has become such an important part of my practice as well. So let's say that I don't know, you don't like to burn sage, you don't like the smoke or whatever. Another really great way of just cleansing your energy is just breathing intentionally. And when you're in that space of breathing, really imagining and really telling certain heavy energies that they're not welcomed in your space. You get to invoke what you want in your energy. You get to say, I'm feeling this heavy energy right now. Sometimes I get curious about whose it is or what it is. Sometimes I don't care. And I just have to say, and I make motions with my hands. I don't, I really, you're not welcome here. And you get to do that. 
And the reason that I'm making some emphasis on this is that I don't think we realize that we have the power to do that. I think that it feels like such a, I don't know, woo or, or whatever thing that we don't realize the power of our voice. We don't realize that we get to say to certain energies, to certain entities, you are not welcome here. And in the same way, you also get to invoke really wise parts of yourself. You get to invoke, you get to say, like for instance, this morning, I was so nervous about teaching class because this, it was the first time that, I think it's the first time that I've taught in person, I think. And definitely a group this big, right? And so the thought, all of the thoughts started coming. I have a ton of notes, all of the things. I'm prepared. But I, I remember I have the power to invoke the divine wisdom that exists within me. And I allow myself to be a conduit to that divine wisdom so that the words that I speak are of, are, are of service to those that are here. And that's enough. That's an invocation that I know that when I say that, it's done. And think about how many times, I think that this is where um, like affirmations come from, right? If you say it, like if you say it enough times, it's true. Yes, and you have to genuinely create a relationship with that part of yourself that knows that there is power in words. I kind of veered off a little bit, but. Right, limpias, cleansings. Notice how, notice, notice how you felt after your session with Ashley. You were open. You were open. You went out of this room into the rest of the resort open. That Amount, that, that level of openness attracts other energy, and sometimes it's unwanted energy because it's real. So that there the responsibility lies, may I keep what serves me and I release what doesn't. And trusting the power of your words, your words are also cleansing. That's where I was getting at, that your words are also cleansing. when you feel the mind taking over. I really invite you to, and I think Ashley touched on this, give whatever, whatever's up here, give it space. This is an exercise that, um, that I do with some of my clients. I say, okay, what part of you is incessantly just wanting some attention right now? Let's give it three minutes. Let's hold it on the left hand. What does it wanna say? and we give it three minutes and it gets to say whatever it wants to say. And then on the right hand, we bring in the divine wisdom that exists, the higher self. What does the higher self want to say to this part of you that's coming up right now? What words of love does it have to say? And again, it comes from a really beautiful, profound place within. What that does, that is a clearing, that is an energetic cleaning, clearing in itself because what it does is that it lowers the volume of so much chaos happening. 
And I use the hands because the hands are physical, so it helps our very rational brain say, I'm doing something. So we're involving different parts of our body. So I'm, I'm giving you the stuff as, as just different tools for you to have and to understand that, let's say you don't create an altar. You don't, it's not your thing, totally okay. We have everything we need right here. Everything we need. Whether it's walking, whether it's doing exercises with the hands, whether it's breathing, whether it's using our voice and invoking deeper, uh, deeper parts of ourselves, deeper wisdom from within us, whatever it is, it's already here. You just have to be mindful of the relationship that you're creating with yourself because believe it or not, a lot of these things that I'm sharing with you, some I was taught growing up, but a lot of it has also just come very naturally. And it's because I got curious about the wisdom that exists within me. And I got curious about how to connect with that part of myself. So that was a lot. Um, it was beautiful. Thank you. Any questions or anything that's coming up for anyone? I, um, I didn't know about either of you guys. I was like, kind of scared but about like, just both things. Um, I don't know about you, but I grew up with like talking about limpias and like, you know, um, just going to different people to get your cards read, stuff like that. And I just always, like when I was younger, I was like, oh yeah, like, you know, I, I believed in it. And then like, as I got older, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I believe that. I think it's a bunch of bullshit, I'll just be honest, as I got older. But last, Via de los Muertos, it just passed. Um, my cousin, we didn't grow up celebrating those Dia de los Muertos. She made an altar. She put our grandparents' like pictures, the real. <laughs> and um, anyways, so she put rosemaries and did all this stuff and she posted it. And I was like, that's so cool. I've always thought that was like such a cool thing, but my parents never did that. You know, they just didn't connect with that, I guess. But, um, but anyways, I just was like, I think next year I want to make one. So it's very interesting that you're talking about that because I've been curious about it for a long time. Just I love like the, the you know, bringing back like ancestors, like remembering your your relatives and ancestors and stuff, and bringing like their favorite foods and mm-hmm. and like lighting candles and stuff. And anyways, I just think it's very interesting. Um, but I like I like this I, I like the um, connection back to like my childhood yeah. that I kind of like let go a long time ago, mm-hmm. just because I was like, oh, it's just not it just doesn't make sense, and I don't, I don't know if there's if there's any truth to it or if it's just like you know um, like an, Things that things that people believed back then, and now they just you know what I mean. Like they yeah. let go of. Um, I remember like going to the slaving sheet, would get this egg. Yep. The egg, you remember the egg? Mm-hmm. And um, I don't remember what it meant. The, I didn't yeah. Get to the you don't know all four. What was it? I don't remember. Yeah. 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 So cool. I, very cool to hear you talk about that. Yeah, so what, what she's talking about with the egg is that there is, there is a, a cleansing ritual where you use an egg and the egg is just a tool, right? The egg is just, it becomes a bridge, if you will, between 
your petition to remove the energy and what absorbs the energy. So essentially it could be anything else, but I think that by tradition it's just the egg, right? And so the cleansing of the egg is one thing that my, my grandmother did a few times, yeah, several times, my mother did a few times uh, growing up, and I had to do recently, uh, not recently, but sometime in the, within the last year, because I was carrying something heavy that I couldn't shake off. And so what it is, is that you grab an egg, and again, you invoke, and you have to believe that your invocation is real. You invoke that whatever it is that you're feeling, that you're carrying, that you can't shake, that this egg absorbs as you're pretty much passing it through your entire body. And, and when you get in a state of meditation, essentially you begin to allow the egg to guide you of where it wants to go. And you get in relationship with the egg and with the energy that you would like to leave your body. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also want to ask you a question. Um, what made you, what made you choose Costa Rica instead of, because you said you're from, or your family's from Guatemala. Right. Were you born there? No. Okay. No. So why not Guatemala? Why, why here and why not there? Just out of curiosity. Anything Just intuitively. There? Okay. Just intuitively. Had you been here before? I had been here once before. Okay. Yeah. So it kind of called you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's just, just intuitively, it was something that they called me, that, that tug of the heart. Okay. Yeah. Just like your intuition is calling you to curiosity about the altar, that's how it starts. Oh, okay. Right, right, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. that's you going, oh, that's interesting. And yeah. that's like the, one of the first signs. And, okay. then you're, and then your openness and yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's a really great question. And I think that here's, here's how I've experienced it. My ancestors came to me. And so the ones that, have, that I really feel connected with are my grandfather, my great-grandmother, my great-uncle, and um, an older brother. And so they just kind of came to me. And they didn't feel heavy. Their energy does not feel heavy. It feels supportive. But don't, but remember, you have the power of invoking who you want to come forth. And so if you want to invoke ancestors, you can say, I welcome any well-intentioned ancestors to come into my space. And then you get to see your relationship with their energy. And if you're feeling that heaviness and that trauma, you get to say, no, not the space. But you feel it. And then again, that becomes the relationship that you have with your body, that you have with your soul. Does your body contract? Or does it feel safe? Does it feel supported? Because I know that when, I know that those four particular ancestors are always with me and I feel like I have bodyguards. Whereas I have felt like darker, heavier energies 
and I get really scared. I go back to when I was a little girl and there were adults that used to just scare me and I didn't understand why. That's where I go and that's how I know. And you get to play with that. You get to get curious about if I invoke someone, if I, if I call on someone, how does that feel? Welcome. Great question. Jen? Yeah, I, I just realized here while we were talking tonight about how I used to create altars when I was younger. Mm -hmm. um, and how they made me feel safe. And I never realized it was an altar, but as you're describing the things that have gone into your altar, That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. 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 I'm just curious when you think of altar, is it shamanic or mesa, right? Is it shamanic? I'm talking about what? Lithia. Uh huh. Yeah. So is it shamanic? Like a Peruvian yeah, yeah. I mean, I think an altar is an altar, right? It's your safe space. It's your space to play. Yes, a lot of these practices for me are very much shamanic inspired because, because that's how I grew up. That's what was passed down. Um, but again, it gets to be whatever you want it to be. It gets to be your connection to to your soul, to a different realm, if that's what you feel comfortable with, if that's what you want. Yeah. I'm wondering, is anyone feeling like weirded out about like the conversation or does it feel a little, I don't know, uh, disconnected or? That's cool. Everybody doing okay? Which my 
that I know of, right? So, so, so I can break that cycle that keeps coming up in my family with all this pain that, that they have and they don't know what to do with it. And it's just so hard to watch it. I, I don't want to keep that going. And this, I'm very excited. It doesn't look like it. It's, no, it does. It does. <laughs> Tears are truth. Yeah. you to know I didn't nothing was passed down to me at all you know um, and so it just shows it's up to you to start that relationship and you can do it with your kids I do it with mine and how whatever that looks like yeah you get to start today yeah yeah you're starting right now you're starting you know start in January so your ancestors are like, yes, yes, I know. finally. finally. <laughs> there was one. That's what they call us back. They've just been hanging out. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to jump on that, too, because what you're saying is, today and I talked about this in Hawaii, actually, in October. I, I'm, I'm still, it's still present to me, but I've been circling around for the last six months, this feeling of being disconnected from what will once felt like a spiritual practice to me, but then started to feel a little bit, I don't know, my words would be like brainwashed. Like I was really struggling with some of it. And, and then I was thinking that ancestral lineage, lineage, I think, I don't want to speak for anybody else, but I think especially being like a European descendant in America, where I'm just the European butt, right? Like I'm like six or seven different things. I mean, I am part Native American. I am, part, you know, but so many of us are. So I don't have that connection, right, to like a very strong cultural heritage. Mm -hmm. And I long for it. Like I wish that I did. I wish I had some kind of connection to even like the part of me that's English. I mean something, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, so I just want to say like there's a struggle, I think, and I have found with other people that I've had this conversation with a similar struggle in that. Like I don't have any lineage, you know? Um, and that's a real disservice, I think, that has been done to us, yes, that we don't have that, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, hot dogs and hamburgers are not a <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, yep. like, that's what it's become in our country, unfortunately, and that's sad, and I think that, to your point, Ashley, for me, it's been about, like, how am I gonna make this for myself? Yeah. Um, I mean, personally, I've got to be obsessed with, like, learning more about witches, because I'm like, <laughs> I got so much European ancestry, I know there's witches in there somewhere, <laughs> you know? But yeah, it's, it, it's hard. Like, there's grief in that I have not. That I'm like, I can't open a book and be like, oh, my ancestors. I'm like, I don't even know who they are. So yeah. I just wanted to voice that because that's what you reminded me of. So thank you for yeah. I appreciate I, I appreciate that. Uh, I never knew uh, my dad. And so I, I always kind of long for that also. Um, of some 
student conversation they want to talk about. This is all up here. Um, but yeah, it, I do. I, I grieve. I do grieve that the not knowing and, and the connection to that. I've had the same ache in my heart that you mentioned, like grief of just like, show me, you know, and wanting something to go to. And it's painful. It's really painful. So this makes me think of uh, what Tanae was talking about, you know, with, about privilege. I feel privileged right now because although I didn't have like what you were talking about exactly, um, I do have culture, like, we do have traditions. We do hold family um, like close and we're like, we love each other and like, I know that I have my family. Like, I may not have anything else. My mom's, like, super special to me, but I have sisters, I have cousins, I have aunts, I have uncles, and my only regret is because my parents did immigrate to the U.S. Like, it didn't have a close relationship to my grandparents. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to Mexico, and, like, I just wanted to have fun. We went to this small little town, and mm -hmm. I got to do whatever I wanted because there, no one was going to you know, kidnap me or something. Everybody knew my grandparents and they knew where we, like, where my grandparents lived and stuff. So if I got lost, they'd take me back or whatever. But I just got to run around, like, whatever. I had such great memories of that, of, like, just family gatherings and, like, us loving each other and stuff. I will say that in the U.S., like, once, for some reason, like, there's a difference. Like, I remember how it felt in Mexico versus how it feels in the U.S. Even, like, people who come more recently, mm -hmm. like, we're not as close as we used to be um, mm -hmm. and I do I do miss that but having culture is super super cool and having traditions and doing things a certain way my um, uh, soon-to-be ex-husband um, went with me to Christmas a couple Christmas Christmases ago and he like started crying because he's like and I was like why are you crying he's like you guys are so happy to be together and I was like yeah <laughs> like it's Christmas we love each other my little sister was there from Texas. I was up, you know, down from Alaska. I'm like, yeah, we're excited, we're happy, you know? Of course, we're like dancing and singing and and he doesn't know that. He's American, he's white and he just, his family gets together and it was always so sad. They get together at six and by like nine, everybody's leaving. And I'm like, what is happening? I was like, we stay up till like midnight or at least, you know, midnight, if not one or two in the morning and we're together and enjoying each other's company. So I feel privileged. Well, no, white, I not speak for everybody, but white culture is a repressed culture. You know, it's a culture that we can't dance, we can't talk about sex, we can't honor our bodies. It's so like disturbing to me. And I envy, you know, when she talks about her, you know, it's not perfect, but when she talks about those things yeah. that meant something, I haven't found like, I mean, right? Like what means anything besides money? I mean, it's so depressing and it's so repressed. You know, I look at celebrations of different cultures and the parades. I would love to have like been taught that freedom to dance. And I know, like we talked about this, that um, when people immigrated here, they couldn't, I mean, she was telling me this, that that freedom that they felt in their own country that would draw attention to them was yeah. a lot of it was taken away. So I, I really understand that it would not be the same as like, where are you from? Um, and that's because we're so, <laughs> I'm just sick of it. <laughs> so, Let's so, move to Costa Rica. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Let's do it. Thank you all for joining us once again on another episode. It is always our pleasure to have these conversations. 
If you like the show, please rate and review. It is always a great help for us. And if you'd like to know what we're up to, check out our show notes or check us out on Instagram at Blue Butterfly Effect Podcast, at AshleyTorrent29, or at Astro underscore Consciousness. 